Hook him up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Yeah, just incredible the uh, the outpouring and the response and the uh, folks who have come from all over to be a part of this procession to honor the fallen police officer George Pastoric. Amazing to see the number of vehicles and uh, all with their lights flashing. It's uh, quite a scene, a scene you never want to see. It's been over a decade since uh, the Austin Police Department's lost an officer in the line of duty. But um, just a tragedy for sure. Uh, but amazing to see uh, the outpouring. All right, Rod, so we roll on. It is a football Friday. That makes it a what, Mr. B? It is a freak flag, feel good, fake it till you make it. Ric Flair, woo, football Friday edition. I'm hooking up with Ian Rodby. There you go. There you go. Uh, we'll get into uh, Rod's rant coming up. They had a great one in the first uh, first time around in the 7 o'clock hour about Dak Prescott putting himself into the MVP conversation and the opportunity to continue to do so. Speaking of, you know, national conversations, got this text that says, this Texas team is getting disrespected on a national stage. No one believes this team is good enough still. People still think Alabama is clearly the better team now. We have to make it aware even locally that after a 9-1 start, no one believes Texas is good enough. Well, and I, you know, I responded to the text that, you know, their own close calls as big favorites against U of H. Good enough and, for what? Well, yeah. That's what I mean, well, you said, good, saying, enough, well, good enough for what? Good enough to win the Big 12 championship? Yeah. I think all of us believe they're good enough to win the Big 12 championship. Good enough to play for a national championship? No. That's a different conversation. So good enough for, for what? That's, not, that, that's what I would say. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, and, and their own close calls and their own poor play uh, in, in lulls have led to that conversation, and it's a fair conversation. Because I'll say this. Last week, Texas was up 26-6 on TCU, Rod. Mm-hmm. And we all know what happened from that point on, right? Yeah. It came way too close a game. So I was doing the, uh, the in-game watch-along out at uh, Fieldhouse at the Crossover where we did our pregame show. Shut up. My buddy Charles out there gave us a gut. Mm-hmm. My little – had this little room. By the way, we had our first drunken disorderly on during that the other oh, night. Oh, had to have somebody removed? Well, so I, I was doing this. So if you've been to the field house, you know, there's the, the outdoor, but then the indoor and right across from the indoor bar where it's the adult area. Oh, yeah. They have a, a room that's like got a, two TVs a in conference it. conference room. Yeah, you a meeting yeah, room. Yeah, 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 Do meetings and things. You can reserve it yeah. to do watch parties or a birthday party or something. So, you know, Charles was nice enough to let me have that. So it's got great internet. And I've got two TVs up and I'm watching. So I'm doing the watch along with Inside Texas. Hopefully you'll watch along if you're not at the game or have an opportunity on Saturday night. It's uh, YouTube. Mm-hmm. Just go to On Texas Football and you'll find the watch along. Uh, Rod joins us, Ian Boyd, uh, Jerry Hamilton. It's just really good analysis of the game in real time. Yes. But so I'm watching that game. But on the other TV, Rod, I'm watching Georgia Ole Miss. And Georgia's now, again, the number one team in the country. And I would say to the Texas fans, if you want to know what a, what a number one team looks like, you watch them just pour it on Ole Miss. Like Ole Miss was in their building, and Ole Miss, they didn't stop, Rod. They were no. playing the fourth quarter like their head was on fire. Yep. I mean, every player, even whoever went on the field for Georgia, was continuing the beatdown. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just how Georgia operates. And maybe Texas gets to there at some point in the future. Probably not this year, as you said. But if you want to see the difference, that's it. I mean, Texas got, went up 26-6 to six and went to sleep. Yeah, they have just lapses and lows. And that's okay. Like I said, they're a flawed team. It's, you guys are asking for perfection. You guys are asking for, you know, domination for full, complete quarters of football. And, yeah, you're, you're, you know, you're obviously you're entitled to your expectations. But the truth is, looking at the sample size of games they've played so far, and we're 10 games in, guys, it would, my theory that this is a team that has spectacular, brilliant stretches, but also in the same game are going to have a stretch 
just as long, but it's going to be a lull and kind of a lapse, a distracted stretch for the team. That's who they are. That's what they've proven to be. Now, you didn't really have that in the Bama. Actually, I think the back. You did have it in the Bama game. They started out like that, remember? Yeah. Remember, Josh, they put the ball on the ground and dropped passes early on? It was the early part they of it. They started out like that, right? Wyoming, they started out like that in the fourth quarter. They finished the game. So my theory actually has held true that this team, they're just, you know what they are? They're, uh, it's a great uh, skit about this on Seinfeld where, Sein, where Jerry's dating this, uh, he's dating a girl. And when he sees her in a certain light, she looks very attractive. She's hot, smoking hot. She's sexy. But then he sees her in, like, different light in, in different venues, and she looks unattractive. She doesn't look as good. And he's trying to figure out what's going on. He talks to George about it, and George says, I know what's going on here. She's a two-face. And he's like, like the Batman villain? He's like, if that helps you, all right? But she's a two-face. The Longhorns are a two-face. They give you both sides. They're like the Batman villain, all right? They're like Harvey Dent. Sometimes you get the good, and then you get the bad. But you're going to get them both. Yeah. In the same game. Each and the game. problem in three of the last four games is, instead of like earlier in the season where your bad stretches to start out the game, like Wyoming and Bama, now your bad stretches toward, is toward the end of the game. And your really good stretches at the beginning of the game. And instead of you having that, that really spectacular stretch that separates you from a team in the fourth quarter, like you were doing in the first half of the season, now that spectacular stretch is getting you a 20-something point lead in the first half. Your ugly stretch is allowing them to get back into the game, but the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams, Cardi B size making the same size, but is, and you should be comforted by this, you're making clutch plays in critical moments to win the game. Now, are you trending toward taking an L, walking the tightrope of disaster and destiny? Yes, no question. <laughs> yes, no doubt. But I'm still going to acknowledge the 9-1 season, and I'm going to acknowledge they are not a complete team, and they are flawed, and they're not going to play a full four-quarter game. They may, but if they do, it's the exception to the rule, and the rule and the, this team, what has shown me that their kind of character is, that they're a clutch team. They make clutch plays, but they're also going to have that really ugly stretch. Well, and I think it's going to happen. That's to the Bobby Bowden quote we've talked about a lot this week, thinking when you take over a program, the four-year plan, you're going to get smoked pretty good early while you rebuild it. You're going to lose close, then year two, then year three, you're going to win close, and then you take that next step and start dominating teams. Exactly. And that's, so Texas is winning those clutch you're games. You're year three now. Yeah, they're year three. So, so you're going to yeah. – and, and the reason they're winning the critical moments is they're a very veteran team, right? They're, mm-hmm. They've got these, these leaders that step up in the biggest of moments, offense, defense, and they're versatile, as Sark says. They're, they're, they're tough and they're gritty, and that's a good thing. Uh, but, you know, the next step is to pour it on. Because somebody said, well, Alabama, Georgia was struggling with South Carolina in the first half. The one thing I'll say about Georgia, their struggles were early in the year mm-hmm. as they were trying to figure out what they were. But this is the concern for Texas right now is Georgia is getting better and better and better, which is what Kirby Smart teams typically do. Uh, did, did Texas peak at the Alabama game <laughs> becomes the concern. Matt Campbell teams too. Um, and better. Matt Campbell teams get better. Mm-hmm. And that's what Sark is trying to – that's why you could tell he was so uh, – intense on Monday. It kind of reminded you of the K-State week, knowing how important this game is and how losable it is if you're not on point. Um, if you, as Sark has said over and over, and we'll hear him coming up in behind the burn orange curtain again, if you don't take, possess the ball and take care of the football and execute on offense, this team will just – this team at Iowa State, they don't want out-talent you, but you just heard the, the former player Jeff, Jeff uh, talking about it, Jeff Woody. That uh, they've got some explosive young players that have come on as the year's gone on, and they will, if they possess the ball and you can convert third downs, they'll choke you out with time of possession. Texas has to get off the field like they weren't able to do last year, and then they've got to be careful with the ball on their side because they don't give up a lot of explosive plays 
Uh, so penalties, these pre-snap, you know, five-yard penalties Texas has been prone to of late. Come back to hunt you. They come back to get you because then you got a punt and you give the ball back to them. And then they try to take a bunch of clock. And, yeah. um, you know, they, they don't care if they beat you 13 to, you know, 10. They're fine with that kind of game. Texas wants to be in the 30s, obviously, but they don't play there that often at, at, at Iowa State. Yeah. And just like you said, uh, you know, that's the thing with Texas. Texas is winning week to week, but I think Longhorn fans acknowledge they're not getting better week to week. No. Um, and that's what that, 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 the argument that's being made nationally, which I don't agree with, that you would uh, have Bama leapfrog Texas. I don't uh, agree with that either. You know what I mean? In, at the end of the college football playoff rankings, um, because they're actually getting better week to week, which they are. I think I acknowledge that. And I acknowledge Texas is not getting better, but head to head has to mean something. All right? If we're going to get to the point where head to head means nothing. So I think that's the argument and that's the frustration also with Longhorn fans is that man is this team getting better week to week getting back to your point you have to ask the question did they peak in the Bama game and I don't know if it was just peaking as more so it is they were supremely prepared right and their preparation was it was magnificent because they had prepped for months for that game and everybody was prepared mentally for that game what that game showed us what they're capable of what their ceiling could be they, they're, they're that good they can beat when they're playing like that they can and beat any see, team in the country and now we see glimpses but of that not, within each game yes and then you see but you also see the floor yeah the other you side also of the see the, you see the floor of this team and you go so they can beat any team in the country when they're on but they also can get beat by damn near any team in the Big 12 Houston. when they're off. Yeah, exactly. Houston <laughs> almost beat them. Houston hasn't beat anybody. <laughs> exactly. Right? You're like, whoa, it's TCU like that, Houston hasn't beat anybody but Baylor at this point. Yeah. Uh, and so, so yeah. That's, that's, that's the problem with it. But, I listen, they, they're trending toward an L, but I, I do trust them in, in clutch critical moments. But it will be tested in this game with no Jay Brooks, with an hurt quarterback in Quinn on the road against a really good defense. And he kind of told you what was going on at Oklahoma game. People kept asking me, what happened at Oklahoma game? Why did they get blown out? They had some key injuries in that game. It was early on in the season before they found their group on offense. And also they, they had some uh, they had a pick six in that game. That's they did, early, early in the game. Turn, this is the team that doesn't turn the ball over as, yeah. as, as even early, and so did Jeff Woods. They take care of the football. Sark talked about it. They're first. They're tied for the Big 12 lead in turnover margin. And they only had they had the fewest amount of turnovers, fewest turnovers in the Big 12. So when they turn the football over – for them, their formula, that's disastrous. It just kills their, their formula. But Texas can recover from that because Texas is an explosive team. But they take care of the football. That's part of what their formula is, ball control, taking care of the football, converting, and just keeping the damn ball as long as they can. That's Maintaining exactly their the ball. game plan. Yeah. And now they've become a little more dynamic offensively of late. So uh, that's the challenge for Texas. We'll have more on it. Just don't leave us hanging. E, what was the drunken disorderly? Well, at the end of the uh, live stream <laughs> – the game was about to be over. I think we were wrapping it up, Jerry and I, and these two drunk guys came in the room. Like, I thought I had locked the door, and they came in, and they're looking at me. Like, I think they were lost. And they look at me. I'm, on the, I'm, I'm looking into my screen. I'm watching the games. I'm talking to Jerry Hamilton and you about to pass it off to the post game, and they're like, woo! They start getting in the shot, and I'm on the air, so I'm trying to, like, I got nobody around me. There's no bartender anybody to look at. So I'm like, you guys got to go. I mean, I'm trying to – I mean, go, 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 go. I'm live, guys. This is a and live then they, stream. And then they see themselves on the camera. No. They're they... like, oh, yeah, what's <laughs> up, bro? <laughs> so if you were watching that, you saw it. And, that is uh, great. Fortunately, one of the guys wasn't as drunk and was able to pull his buddy and say, oh, no, no, we shouldn't be here. I'm like, I'm live on the air, guys. Come on now. <laughs> that is great. And hey. then, but the one guy goes, am I on TV? I'm like, there you are, live my friend. Live stream, baby. Hey, it's live. Anything can happen when you're live, man. That's the yeah, way it goes. Great. I like that. That's uh, cool. it, was, it, was, it was fun. That's but, fantastic. You know, I'm surprised it had happened more, but, uh, yeah, they'd had a few. And I was like, well, call the Ubers, guys. They call the lo- Ubers. Hey, they were local fans. They were happy about that win that, and the end, that dramatic win. That's right. They just won the game, <laughs> BTCU, with that uh, 35-yard pass. Game-winning goal line. Yeah, you got it. Oh, yeah, right. That was uh, A.D. Mitchell. A.D. Mitchell. Ooh. 
Yeah, let's uh, let's get Rod's rant number two of a Friday. Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car. Any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's oh, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, let's talk about the uh, the gorilla in the room, uh, which is the loss of Jonathan Brooks. And there's no doubt it's going to be devastating for the Texas offense. You could argue he's their MVP, and you're going up against one of the better defenses in the Big 12. I think one of the better defenses actually in the country. And one of the pioneers of the three high, three down, John Haycock, will be trying to match wits with Steve Sarkeesian. So uh, we heard from Sark earlier uh, in the show from his uh, media availability, his Zoom call with the media yesterday. He was asked about the running back room um, and how they're going to respond to more adversity, losing Jonathan Brooks, now having uh, C.J. Baxter, a freshman, uh, Jaden Blue, Keelan Robinson, other guys having to step up, Savion Red as well. Here's Sark talking about the, uh, the running back room responding to the loss of their leader, Jay Brooks. A, they don't, they, nobody likes seeing their brother go down, you know? So I do think there was a sense of uh, hurt for him, uh, knowing of what he'd put into, you know, play the, the way he had been playing the season. But I also think they feel like, man, opportunity. You know, these guys work really hard too. They've been training since January too. And so now um, making sure that they're putting themselves in the best position to be successful. Um, you know, we're fortunate in that, you know, uh, you know, CJ really started the the year four. So I think his level of comfort, him being healthy is is big for us. Keelan's been exposed to a lot of football. Um, I think Jaden Blue's been chomping at the bit for his opportunities. And, and Savion's been in some critical moments for us. So, you know, our offense is going to remain our offense. Um, and I, like I said, I think we're fortunate that we have some guys that have some experience that have playmaking ability that are all really versatile backs. Um, and so we'll we'll go into the game and, and navigate it accordingly as as the game requires. Uh, yeah, there's Sark talking about the running back room and how they need to respond, and they do. The Iowa State defense, it's uh, pretty stout. They have uh, a lot of hybrid players, some linebacker body types playing in the secondary who come downhill from the third level uh, as run force defenders. Bo Frailer being one of them, 6'2", 220. Uh, he's, a big, he's a big dude. They got Malik Burden. Uh, Verdon is 6'4", 225. Uh, they got some, uh, some really good players in the secondary who are really good in terms of forced run defenders, they've only allowed four, count them four, 20-plus yard rushes the entire season. Uh, that is tied with Georgia, to give you a little context on that. Uh, they uh, also, if you go look at it, uh, they've allowed 35 20-plus yard plays all season long. So 31 of them have come through the air. Um, so this, this is a defense that doesn't allow a ton of explosive plays. They're really assignment sound, and one of the – uh, the, the benefits of having a guy like Jay Brooks, uh, his skill set, he was really explosive. He was breaking off long, explosive, chunk yardage plays. And Texas needs to be explosive because they're not good in the red zone, 125th in touchdown percentage in the red zone. They're not necessarily good in short yardage, and they're not necessarily good in red zone. And they're, ain't, they're not great at third down either. 
and how do you still remain prolific when you're kind of subpar in all those really important major categories? They're, they're extremely explosive. And Texas, at any point in the game, can break off an explosive run or an explosive pass. That'll be limited in this game just because you lost Jay Brooks and also because your quarterback is dealing with an injury. That's going to be huge to see if Texas still have that explos- explosivity in this matchup versus Iowa State. Uh, Sark was also asked about comparing the running back rooms uh, in this matchup with Iowa State. Uh, here's Sark talking about the strengths and weaknesses of comparing those uh, running back rooms. Oh, well, um, well, I-, I think this, you know, I mean, CJ is, you know, he's the more bigger physical runner um, in a sense of, you know, just in his stature. Um Blue is obviously a little bit more shifty and has real explosiveness and 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 long and top speed, um, but but we recruit players that are not one dimensional players, and so like we saw against Kansas State, Cedric Baxter is more than capable of taking the ball the distance and and creating explosive plays. Both guys have excellent hands and can catch the ball out of the backfield. You know, there's a there's a real kind of you know, blueprint of runners that we look for um, that, that there's prerequisites that they have to be able to do. They have to be able to run between the tackles. They need to be able to run on the perimeter. They need to catch the ball well out of the backfield, be, have natural hands. Uh, and then they need to have high football IQs because we ask a lot of our runners and that's where the pass protection stuff kicks in. And though both those two guys have those traits, they just do it a little bit differently and their stature is a little bit different uh, but they're both more than capable of of excelling within our system that way. All right, that's Sark talking about the uh, the running back room, and yeah, it's going to be an all hands on deck. They got a money ball uh, this thing, and I I do wonder how pass heavy Texas is going to be. I think they may be pretty pass heavy. Now we talk about Iowa State secondary being part of their strength, but that's secondary. It's the strength of theirs because how complete it is, and they help in the run game a ton because they have these bigger DBs. But I do think you can take. You can take some shots against them, and I do think you can have success in the passing game manipulating matchups in spread sets, namely empty formation, I think, against that three high, three down, um, which we know against Sark offenses, Sark's offenses are less effective, less efficient, and less explosive versus three high, three down defenses. It's not – it doesn't totally – um, you know, it, it doesn't totally, uh, in, ter- in my opinion, match up to, in terms of being able to cancel out Sark's offense. It's not that effective. But looking at all the numbers, it does force uh, Sark's offenses um, into basically to into an, uh, an basically out of their comfort zone. Uh, and forces them to have to uh, go operate by different methods than Sark is accustomed to, which is why I think all of the numbers, they drop. Less effective to field goal. I mean, sorry, the third third down percentage drops off. Completion percentage usually drops off for the quarterbacks. All those numbers seem to uh, to drop off a little bit when they face a three-high, three-down. All right, let's hear from Sark about a bigger issue. We'll probably do this next segment because I know we're running up against it, but Sark was asked about – the sign-stealing controversy that Michigan's involved in, we know now that Michigan and Jim Harbaugh have decided to accept the suspension. Um, so we're probably at the tail end of this controversy, at least for now. Uh, but Sark was asked about it and asked about what he thinks uh, could be the remedy uh, for the sign-stealing um, issue in college sports right now, in college football. So we'll get to that coming up later on here in the 9 o'clock because it's pretty lengthy. It's about two minutes, but it's a pretty impassioned plea. Um, by Steve Sarkeesian. So we'll get into that later on. Good stuff in the rant. Longhorns in Iowa State. If you missed it last hour, it'll be podcast. The uh, conversation with Jeff Woody, the former running back there who played for Paul Rhodes. But 
uh, gave some good insight on what Texas will deal with. It's you can deal with it. You just got to be on point, Rod. You got to be ex- yep. execution's a key word here, right? Uh, execution on third downs, um, execution on first and second down to stay out of third and long for both teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yep, yeah, taking care of that ball, uh, taking care of that football becomes paramount for for Rod. Uh, what was your thought on? You know, he talked about the running back rooms and running back stepping up. Mm-hmm. How do you see the running back allocation? Is there any way to predict how is it? CJ um, Baxter yeah. for eighty percent? Is it? Yeah, Baxter's gonna get most of it. He'll get. He's your in between the tackles guy, right? He's the guy that can hurt him with the power running game. So I think CJ Baxter gets, like you said, sixty-five, seventy percent. I think Jaden Blue deserves some carries, and I think you got to use him strategically. You got to use him in the right way. On the edge, he needs a running start. So pitch toss. Those jet sweep motions that Sark rarely hands off, you can hand it off to a guy like Jaden Blue, and he can beat defenders to the edge and to the corner. So I would, if I'm going off who's going to get the bulk of the carries, I think you're right, C.J. Baxter. Second, I'd probably throw Jaden Blue out there to get the second most carries um, now with Jay, with Jay Brooks out. And then kind of a split between Keelan Robinson and Savion Red, because Savion Red can take traditional handoffs and also run in between the tackles. Um, and that's something he's been doing essentially as the red cat package. But you can actually hand it to him uh, as a traditional running back. And I think he can help you win the power with the power running game. And then Keelan Robinson can be another complement to the uh, to the perimeter running game and get to the edge because, like Jaden Blue, he's got elite speed to beat defenders to the edge. So I think if you're using those running backs in the right way, Red and Baxter as your power backs mostly, uh, Keelan Robinson and Jaden Blue as your perimeter speed backs mostly. I think you can win. You can win with that running game and money balling that approach. All right. Like it. Uh, that's the game plan. Uh, we'll go uh, more behind the burn orange curtain and talk Texas and Iowa State. The other games around the Big 12 of import. We'll dive into those. Rod and I are tied. I have to go head to head with five picks. Ty had a great week last week. I collapsed. Ooh. So we got to get back on the horse, man. Got to get back on that picking horse. We'll have that as well. But uh, a little round of who said that before the end of the hour as the uh, procession continues through our great city. So uh, be advised of that. Let's come back and pick up those conversations. Let's hook them up with Ian Rod B. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Oh, geez, Rod, you're just giving the uh, deep dive intel on Iowa State. This says after listening to Rod, I'm not convinced we're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're going to lose. I think they're going to win the game. But, I think uh, they're going to win. I just think it's going to be a tight game. I mean, think about it. Let's go. Let's think about the strategy and the scheme for a second, right? Sarkis face now, this will be the fifth team, right? Um, actually, it, it depends on. It'll be the sixth team actually that has a history majoring or minoring in the three high three down defense, right? Uh, that's three, three five stack. Yeah, that's the, the dreaded defense that Sark's got to solve. And the reason he had to solve it is because he's gonna see it so much, right? You're talking about half the damn games this year. You've seen it. Uh, Wyoming, it was their base. Uh, U of H broke it out as a tendency breaker. Um, Brent Venables, he's studied it, and he has used it multiple times, so it's in his bag. TCU, K-State, and now Iowa State run it as their defensive identity, right? It's, it's part of their defensive DNA. So you're talking about this is going to be the sixth team that has major and minor and u- utilizes a 3-high, three 3-down. Three Think about those games, guys. you got four one-score games this season. They're all against 3-high, three 3-down three defenses. You've had – Two game-winning goal line stands against teams they were running the three high three down defense. You're basically blown out everybody else. Hmm. <laughs> Think about it. You've had five games versus three high three down teams so far this season, and four of those have been one-score games. And the one that was a double-digit win was a 10-10 tie going into the fourth quarter with Wyoming. Yep. 
And you blew them out. 20, you beat them out 31 to 10 because you scored 21 points and beat them 21-0 in the fourth quarter in scoring. So people come out and say, yeah, three high, three down. There's nothing to it. You can say there's nothing to it. But it's definitely the best way to match up against Sark's offenses. It just is. It, it, it's shown that it being that effect. That's why U of H broke it out. And that's why this stretch has been a tougher stretch. Now, like I said, it doesn't totally make his offense moot doesn't cancel out all the cheat codes. Sark's a damn good offensive and a brilliant offensive mind. Um, but if you're looking at all the stats, all of the stats drop. And uh, he, he, all of his offenses are less effective, less explosive, and less efficient versus three high three down defenses. And it shows. Third, third down defenses so far this year versus those three high three down teams, 34% conversion rate. And I would say it won't be different. <laughs> it just won't be because they've struggled third on third downs versus every defense that runs the three out three down. Hell, against Wyoming, you were four of 12 on third down. You were, eight, you were three of 12. Against TCU, four of 13. Against K-State, you were two of 15. Oh, you, you were five of 14 on third down. Noticing a pattern? No, I think it's going to be a close game. I really do. Um, and uh, the only way it gets, gets, gets out of control you know, for Texas will be turnovers if they can force Rocco Beck into some mistakes and score defensively, yes. special teams potentially. Uh, other than that, the, I think Matt Campbell. And, again, we talked with uh, Jeff Woody last hour. And, yeah, I see played there. So he's got, you know, you know I, he's a kind of a homer for Iowa State. But he knows that program. And he confer- admitted what we said. He, they're playing their best football right now. Some yep. of their young guys have grown up. They struggled early because of the gambling scandal. It cost them their starting quarterback, starting running back, their starting tight end. So, you know, they've had to work in young guys, and then they had to kind of tailor the offense to fit what Rocco Beck does best, not what uh, Hunter Deckers was all about. Mm-hmm. So, again, those are all just – no one's saying they're going to lose the game. They're favored by more than a touchdown. But no. just be advised, this could – this be ready for another nail-biter. Yeah, exactly. Don't be freaking out when it's the fourth quarter and it's a one-score game with five minutes left. So, and I think what Rod is saying that I'm listening to, and maybe – because you always say this, Rod, and I, I've said it for years. You know, the game turns out to – you know, pivots – however you're, you consume the game mm-hmm. – uh, is is really important about how you went into the game, what your expectations were for the game. So you're already hearing from fans who expect this to be a one-sided blowout. Yep. You're saying don't anticipate that. So don't call Monday or text Monday and say, why didn't they blow them out? Exactly. Oh, Texas sucks. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're telling you this could be a very close game. And if they yep. blow them out, that'd be great. But you know, their circumstances are going to lead to them blowing them out. And, you know, we had Jeff Woody talking about how did Oklahoma beat them by, you know, 50 to 20. The two of their best players in their secondary didn't play in that game and yeah. were hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you take two guys out, you get them back. They're both Turnovers. Both, they, had a, they had a pick six. Pick six. Yeah. They're both NFL caliber players. And, again, it was a younger, you know, different Iowa mm-hmm. State team. And that's just the conversation. Let's be real about it. Let's be adults about the game. And, you know, you, you know, Texas survive in advance. Keep winning these football games. But you just laid it out perfectly. The five games against this particular defense – been one-score games. Yeah, and, and, they, and they've been up, right? They get up big in these games. And, and they then, don't play four quarters of football. And they don't play four, four, four full quarters of football. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not saying it takes – I'm not trying to be the doom and gloom guy. I love what this team is doing. I'm celebrating the fact that they're 9-1. I am just trying to keep uh, Longhorn fans from driving themselves crazy, expecting this team to be something that they are not. They are clutch, and that's what they are. They win in clutch moments. Uh, but the truth is that we've, we've seen this team and now with the sample size, you know, you can – expect that low because they're not perfect and they're flawed and you can exploit some of their flaws but I think Texas against Iowa State I think you're going to get the best effort right uh, from Texas and I think it'll be enough to win the game 
but don't be upset if they don't win it by covering the spread. This is not a team that's going to cover spreads. This is not a team that's going to blow teams out. And it, we said this at the, at, before the U of H game, and you guys were mocking us, saying, man, why are y'all trying to make us scared of U of H? And I was like, we're not trying to make us scared of U of H. We're just saying they match up well with Texas. They're pass first. They got twitchy receivers on the outside. They're fast and twitchy, and they got a quarterback who's been in that system all right, that air raid system for like six years, basically playing in that system for as long as you could play in that system. Just like Dylan Gabriel was very uh, experienced in that veering shoot system because he had played in that system for so long. And turns out, Donovan Smith looked really good. I think he had like a career game throwing the football versus Texas. And then I think the BYU game, we told you, don't worry about it. BYU just doesn't match up well with Texas. Just doesn't match up well. And in the K State game, we told you, K State doesn't match up well because they're a run first team. But if they abandon the run game, watch out. And what happened? They abandoned the run game and made plays on Texas. Told you last week against TCU. I said, listen, guys, they got twitchy fast guys on the outside, and they got a young, a young quarterback who's mistake prone, but he can sling it. He can sling it. And if they go pass first on you, they go make some plays. Well, and, that's, uh, and they made some plays. That's concerning to me as, yeah. a, as an observer, close observer of this team. You know, I think every you know, good coach is like, you know, Chris Kleiman, Matt Campbell, uh, they kind of know they always have that card to play if they have to. Like, they don't want to. They want to go in with their game plan. Mm -hmm. They want to try to execute it. Oh, yeah. See if they can handle Sweat and Murphy up front. See if they can establish. And That's true. Slow the game down. But they kind of always know. You and did that too, remember? Yeah. They came out running it. <laughs> like, we kind of know, you know, if we need to, we can go to that. Uh, and we feel like we can execute pretty well. We did it a lot last year in this game. So, again, it's, it's, um, it's, it's also the final time Iowa State will play Texas, maybe ever, likely mm -hmm. ever. If it's not a bowl game of some kind. Um, and so, you know, there's going to be the blackout, and this is, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I think Texas can win, but I would anticipate when I'm doing the in-game watch-along on Inside Texas that we will be quite nervous in the fourth quarter. Uh, there will be some, some, some time. That's all right. That's okay. That's what I would That's say. That's okay. Nothing uh, wrong but, with but, that. And, and there is nothing because, again, recalibrate your expectations going into the season. You exactly. thought I think most of us had 10-2. and two. If they win this game, they'll be 10-1. and one. I mean, they're <laughs> exceeding the expectations. Uh, but, yes, I know it's frustrating because – that's where they are as a program. Uh, it's a lot better than it's ever it's been in 15 years, but it still is where you are. Let's Enjoy just, the ride. Yeah. Um, Enjoy the experience, man. You know, it's like the kid who's been failing his math test for all year, and all of a sudden you give him a tutor. He's not going to start making A's. If he gets to C's, you're feeling good. Like, feeling damn, great. sweet. Yeah, but you, what you let was he made an A on that early quiz right after you got him that tutor, and then now he's making B's, and you're upset, and he's like, well, Mom, I was I was flunking last year. Right. That one A, that one Alabama game, it really changed your expectations as a parent of what your That's son exactly right. and daughter is capable of. And it of. was his hardest quiz, right? Yeah, yeah, her hardest yeah, quiz. Yeah, it was. It was, hard, it, it was the hardest one. You got an A. You got an A. What are you doing? Well, now you get B's. <laughs> well, Dad, it's better than F's. Exactly. That's exactly what's happening. And I, you know what? I think that's why I said I have and now. If we, and, and, you know, as a parent, you're like, okay, if we keep on this track next year, we you know, kind of caught up. Then it'll be A's. Yeah. Now we're talking about A's. Or C's. That's what you don't want, right? You that's don't, go, you don't, you don't want. want to go from B's to C's. You want to go from B's back to A's, but that's the whole point. That's Is this right. team trending toward and that's, a C and a So if, if, you, if, you, if you take Sark and put him in the parallel to the parent role here, Sark's trying to rebuild this program, y'all. Uh, and let's not be kidding about him. The entire staff, he got here, and it wasn't, it wasn't pretty, and they went 5-7. and seven. But it's trending to where you want it. But, you know, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater here of what is happening. We're watching a program turn. Yeah. Uh, and give credit to, as you're talking about the clutch, the leadership of this team, the culture of this team, the guys in the, in the critical moments who – this is their last year, Rod. This, mm -hmm. they're, they're not going to the SEC. This nope. is – they're going off to the NFL or yeah. off to, their careers are over. Jordan Whittington's of the world. 
you know, these are the ones that are winning these games for you. And let's hope it's it's you know becoming the culture of the program, and then they're going to leave that, and that's what they've established. Maybe yeah. a Big 12 championship on the way out, put a trophy in the case, but also that you, these leaders have established, okay, now let's build on that. Yep, and then pass it down. Yeah, pass, pass it on it down. Pass it down to the young bucks. Pass it on so down. They, so they, they know the, the lineage. And, then and they you grew up in a program culture. very similar to where this is right yes, now. They, yeah. You got to Texas in 99. 99. And we were, it was on the process of turning it around. That's exactly Matt right. Got, Matt got there in 99, 98, I mean, and then – that was his second class, and I remember that moment. It was like around 2000, 2001, where we started to have that turnaround and the cultural turnaround. And now we and, and we started to pass it down to other guys. I remember passing down the the lessons I learned to Nathan, Nathan Basher and to Michael Huff, and watching those guys become great. And it led leaders. to a champion. Look, and I would I would agree with those who say, well, you should be able to do it faster in the in the portal era, which is true. That's true. And the long words, I mean, Sark you know, hits the portal right this offseason with the recruiting class. It'll take another step forward. I believe that. Uh, but, yes, they still have to prove that they can, you know, run the table here and finish this thing off. Sark himself, as a coach, has never won 10 games in a football in a, in a regular happened. season year. So nope. that a lot, lot to still accomplish for Texas. No one's predicting them to lose. Just uh, hoping the fans that are paying attention understand what the expectation should be. Plan on a close game. Longhorn fans don't respect the opponents enough, and that's okay. Like it's, they, they, well, I think Longhorn fans do not. I watch film respecting the I watch film as a coach. That's how co- coaches watch well, film. When with, you were a player, so you watch yeah. film and respecting this guy could beat me. He may yes. play for Iowa State, but that guy's good. Yes. Coaches watch film with paranoia. They're always like, man, how can it? Basically watching film with the intent, with the mentality, how can this team beat me? How can they beat me? How would they beat me? And that's how I watch film. So I'm not trying to freak people out, but that's how I, I respect the opponents. Even after Texas beat uh, Texas was beaten by Oklahoma, remember how local fans kept reflecting on how they lost the game and wanted to give no props to the game plan of Oklahoma? Right. Sometimes you've got to respect your opponent. And Longhorn fans, I've noticed this. I love y'all. But y'all have no respect for opponents. you got like two opponents every year y'all respect. Well, that goes everybody back else, to Everybody else a scrub and a jag that you're supposed to dominate and whip like they stole something. <laughs> it's like, no. they don't, Like Mac Brown would say, they're on scholarship too. He's got a scholarship. Well, I mean, it, it, we want to keep the parent parallel going, and then we'll get a timeout. But it's like the parents that, that you know, think their kid's going to get a D1 scholarship. And like, <laughs> yeah. What, man? You better be happy. He, he can't even walk on. What Is you he having about? fun playing? <laughs> He's starting. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, that, so I, it's all right, man, but respect the opponents. I was that the parents should know their kids, too, what their yeah. kids' ceilings and floors are. Very well. true. Longhorn fans, yeah, sometimes they can be unrealistic about that. Have stuff. you watched them for the last 15 years? Come on, now be happy. Be happy <laughs> right. with this. Hey, we'll come back, uh, but that's, that's what fans are for. That's what it's all about. That's the fun. That's that the fun. fun. Hey, we come back. Uh, we'll have some fun with Who Said That, Rod, on a who Friday. That? Great audio from around the sports landscape. Well, the procession we've been talking about all morning long has arrived at Circuit of the Americas, and most of it anyway. Uh, slowly but surely, uh, 183 and Mopac and parts of I-35 are at this point reopening as uh, that was always going to be a rolling closure through those uh, thoroughfares. But the uh, parts of uh, I-35 on the south side and Highway 71 and then Toll 130 heading towards Circuit of the Americas are still uh, closed down as the procession, of course, is a very, very long one. And that uh, certainly is a testament uh, to the honor and respect that have been given to the fallen APD officers. So again, uh, long about now and continuing till about 11 o'clock, there'll be visitation as folks arrive and uh, the actual funeral is going to be 11 o'clock. So uh, it won't be too long before all the roads will be reopened. I'm Don Butler. That's your traffic. Dr. Greg Eckert, folks, I mentioned earlier, I, I failed my fast food test yesterday, um, but I had a great time out of Dr. Eckert. Uh, had, a, had a deal out there. We, uh, our Jacob Standard, our digital editor, 
and I were out there taking some video of the great people at Dr. Eckert. We're going to put some stuff out for them and for our socials, talking about my journey through uh, my teeth restoration and from what they were to what they are. And just, I know, you know think of the dentist and it's like a four-letter word. I don't want to go to the dentist. I promise you, once you get to know Dr. Eckert and he becomes your Austin dentist, um, you're going to like going to the dentist. I mean, it's they've got cool music playing. The people there, uh, Diana and, and Anna in the front, they're just the nicest folks and they make it relaxed for you. Uh, for So again, if you have some, some challenges with your, with your with your mouth like I did, your teeth, uh, I was a teeth grinder, so I ground my teeth down and then I didn't like smiling because I had to smile so big to be able to see my teeth that I had ground down over 40-plus years. Uh, and we rebuilt them and restored them. And now I can smile normal and uh, love my smile now. And uh, Dr. Ecker gave me that. He can give that to you, whether it's a restoration or permanently secured dental implants. Maybe your teeth are further gone and uh, you need you need you're thinking about dentures now. Uh, well, don't do that. The permanently secured dental implants are such a better way. They can do it in one day with the proper planning. You go in and, and have a brand-new smile. You know, go in with one and come out with the one you want. That's what it's about with Dr. Greg Eckert and his team. And they're right there off of Far West. Uh, wonderful people and team, and Dr. Eckert's just the best. He's a passionate horn listener as well. Go talk to him uh, and uh, just call him, 345-3166. That's 345-3166 with Dr. Greg Eckert and his team, uh, your Austin dentist and my dentist, Dr. Greg Eckert with a U. Hi, this is Tom McKay with Audiovisual Consultations. Scientific data proves it. Size does matter. The bigger and wider your television is, the better. Football season is here, and the time is now to get your entire audio video experience tuned up and ready. New flat screens, projection video, Dolby True HD surround, all the goodies at great prices and followed up with great service. So call us at 255-8678. That's 255-8678 or on the web at avconsultations.com. Like sports, business is about winning. Championship decisions are business decisions based on what it takes to help your company win. And that's why there's UBO Business Services, specializing in helping you win every day by streamlining workflow and allowing you to better communicate within your organization and with your customers. Make your championship decision with UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. Nothing turns game day into a great day, like stocking up at Specs and cheering on the Cowboys. As a proud partner of the Dallas Cowboys, Specs has everything you need to turn your pregame party into a full-on football feast. With lower prices on a stadium-sized selection of world-class wines, spirits, beers, seltzers, and gourmet foods, Specs is your one-stop shop for all your game day essentials. Cowboy up at Specs. The fun starts here. The Horn text line has moved. Join the conversation on the new Horn text line, 512-447-3776. That's 512-447-3776. Aaron Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. Ian Rod B. On the Horn. Ooh, who's that? Coming up in our fabulous fifth hour, we will get into Steve Sarkeesian's uh, passionate plea for headset communication in college football. Uh, we will yes, also um, go head-to-head, Rod and I, or Ty and I, with our five picks in college and pro football. Oh, feeling yeah. Ty's hot, man. Ty got hot last week, no doubt about it. I had a great week. I did not have you know what, Ty, I had some bad beats. You know what, Ty get, got hot? Ever since he got parlayed, boom, he's been hot. Mm-hmm. Got that parlay you forgot all about? 
got parlayed, then had a hot week. Just saying. Well, there's no doubt uh, Pinji can do that for you a little bit. You know what I mean? Get you going. <laughs> get you rolling. Start it out there. Hey, man, he puts you, you know, just. Mm-hmm. Got your mojo going. Feeling more confident, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course. Well, Who I, wouldn't? I must be struggling because I, I had a bad <laughs> week. I, I didn't know Kansas' quarterback was going to get down to the third string guy. I mean, yeah, come on, that man. Was, that was ugly. I didn't know the Washington player was going to drop the ball before he crossed the goal line. Like, what are you doing, man? That was crazy. That cost too. me. That killed me. Ooh. Bad beats, man. Hey, uh, Ty, uh, let's play some audio. I, I did a poor job. I had things picked out. And I never sent it to Ty. But, oh, I sent uh, a few. You sent a few. So, so play some Who Said That, Gerard, uh, here this morning. All right, Ty. I sent you a few of these. Uh, you can just dial up whichever one you Come want on. to, and we can just play Who Said That. Instruction from either you or what he's heard from other people. Make sure it's all kind of straight in his head. I don't know anybody of coaches who's got other coaches from outside the building. Throwing coach in Jacksonville, he's got a guy who he grew up with. Yeah, those are like strength and conditioning coaches, but in terms of throwing, they just work on the mechanics of throwing. But that's, I, that's. Well, those guys are, I mean, they're quarterback coaches. I mean, Dan Minucci's a guy who trains quarterbacks. Oh, I understand. I don't think you understand. Um, Coaches in this building, we don't sit in like you don't talk mechanics all week. You prepare them for a game plan. That's what you do in the season. Um, you get getting ready for the offense that we're running, the defense that we're going on. Um, when you work to improve your footwork and arm strength, just like a wide out in the off season, they go to improve how they drop their hips, how they do quickness off the line. <coughs> they do cone drills, stuff like that. Um, but when you're here and you get it by position coaches, it's not. It's it's about football and preparing for the game. There you go. Who said that? It's your guy Shano. That was. I thought that was really interesting because it, it kind of confirms something that I've always said. There are some things you fix in the offseason. There are off-season projects. During the season, you only got so much time to spend game planning for your opponent, and there are some things we're just not going to fix during the season. We ain't going to fix your foot. I said this about Quinn last year. We ain't fixing your footwork during the season. We ain't got time. We got to get the dub. It's about game planning and preparation. All right, we ain't got time to fix your footwork. We ain't got time to fix your mechanics during the season. That is stuff for off-season work. Yes. We got plenty of time. All right, during the season, we got one goal, the win, the dub. That's it. And we ain't got time for all that other stuff about your mechanics. That's on you as you know, a player. I can compare that to, to golf, right? Uh, Rory McIlroy talked about that, that the, the golf season was so crowded yeah. that, you know, you don't fix swing problems during the season. You're nope. just trying to win tournaments. Exactly. And so you warm up, you get repetition, you find that you're, you're good. That's the off-season, but – Golf right now doesn't have an off season, so they're like, "Oh, uh, so how do, do I fix? Where am I supposed to go work from all my fixes. games? Yeah, yeah my big fix. Point. That's a great point. That's same thing, same yeah. kind of thing. I think that's a great point. Great, yeah. college. that's why everybody has this. now their own quarterback coaches. That's yeah. what that guy was saying. He's well, like, good. "Do y'all need a quarterback coach with the 49ers? He's like, "No, they do that in the off season on their own time." With this organization, we worry about winning games, and we'll address technique and we'll address fundamentals in the offseason with these coaches. But during the season, my coaches are about game planning and preparation for the opponent. The next team, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can I uh, – was that media guy trying to – I don't know what he was – it, it was a good conversation, though. I like the conversation. Well, I mean, there, there's – remember Tom Brady got at odds with Bill Belichick over, over, over Guerrero, Alex Guerrero. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, his guy. And he got too involved in all the day-to-day operations. TB12, baby. Yeah, TB12. <laughs> hey, can we – um, by the way, it's uh, – Tom Brady's winning that debate, by the way, uh, day yes, by day of just how important, how much that was him and not Belichick. I'm not right. taking anything away from Belichick as far as a coach. I know he's a good one, but damn, it's getting worse and worse now in New England. Hey, can we um, play this? This is a really good football coach in the NFL, Rod. Give me some uh, – who said that? Who said that? I do have one injury announcement to make, unfortunately, on the negative side. Mark Andrews has a very serious ankle injury. 
it looks like a season-ending injury. So uh, our prayers will be with Mark. He uh, nobody cares more about the team and uh, and being there for the guys and Mark Andrews. So it's going to be hard for him, but we're going to be there for him all the way. That was John Harbaugh. A lot of Harbaugh last night. A lot of Harbaugh. John Harbaugh talking about it was about, all Harbaugh all the time. Yeah, that Mark Andrews injury. That was it's devastating because that is there's no doubt that is Lamar Jackson's favorite target. Well, that's that hip drop roll tackle thing that no one likes. Yep. And, uh, you, know, you, can't illegal, you can't make every tackle illegal at this point, but that's dangerous when you drop it's all your dangerous. weight, Ooh, wrap around a guy, and then yeah. you know, his, your body weight falls on his ankle. Yeah. And that's what you heard from the coach. That's very serious injury. Yeah, it's, it's the, the same premise of the horse collar while it was outlawed. It's the same premise. You're pulling the guy back, all their, all that weight back, and then they're, they're lunging. They're going forward, and then you could easily pop a knee. Well, and Mark Andrews was running towards the end zone, so the linebacker's trying to prevent him from going to the end zone. Grabs his hips from behind. stop his momentum. And then goes dead weight. Just drops all your weight down to the ground to pull him down. And just and collapses onto his ankle. Yeah. It's, uh, something's going to pop there. It's just not made to build to go that way. It's ugly, man. That's a season ender. Um, all right, I got another one. Well, I'll say that if he's oh, that severe, he walked off. Well, he limped, but he walked. Yeah, it did. But then John Harbaugh was like, it's serious. But well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's a tough dude. Know, as I say, yeah, you know he's a tough mofo, man, for real. Uh, all right, Ty, I sent you a couple of more here. Who said that? The only way you're going to get better is by having the courage to ask a question in these type of situations. So if, when you guys are sitting there, don't just sit there like a lump on a log. Have a great question. Grow up and learn what it is to ask a tough question. Okay, Ty, cut, you can cut it off. Because I think he cusses at the end, maybe. I think he might cuss at the end. That was pretty adamant. Um, yes, I apologize, Ty. I, I, I sent you that one. I didn't see that he might cuss at the end there, so I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Um, who said that? I know the voice. I can't get it. It's right at the tip of my brain. It's who actually is? a great lesson, too. We were just talking about this with the media. It is uh, head coach Ed Cooley with Georgetown offering advice to young reporters, saying ask the question. Georgetown High School? Uh, sorry, Georgetown, Georgetown. Oh, basketball. Head coach. Basketball. basketball, yes, sorry. Uh, Georgetown head coach Ed Cooley, um, he was saying, yeah, don't be thinking just because I'm, I'm a little ignorant, I shouldn't ask this question. He's saying, no, ask the question. You're only going to get better if you ask the question. You're only going to learn more about the game when you ask the question. Ask the question, I'll give you an answer. It may make you feel stupid, right, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you maybe an, ob an obvious answer, but that's, that's the only way you're going to get better as a reporter. It's a great lesson. Well, especially with reporters that are covering one team all season. Yes, yes. Ask hard questions. Ask hardcore we're questions. Doing, we're going to be here all year, guys. Yeah, exactly. And the coach will respect you more for it. They'll respect you more for it. It's a good lesson. Yeah. Yeah, don't come in here, you know. Just, a lot of times, young reporters, and we, you, you will kind of lead to a question, right? Mm -hmm. Just ask questions. Just ask it. If it's stupid, okay, oh, well, you learn something. Uh, all right, we come back. It is uh, final, the fabulous fifth hour on a Friday, Rod. That makes it a... It is a freak flag, feel good, fake it till you make it. Ric Flair, woo! Football Friday edition. Hook him up with Ian Rod B. And it's a